BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. How do I ask my boss for a raise? I'm so jealous of my coworker's promotion. I just don't know what to do. Is there a good way to brag about my accomplishments? Careers are complicated, and there are so many hush-hush topics we're told we can't talk about. That's why you have the Career Contessa podcast. I'm your host, Lauren McGoodwin, and each week I'm joined by experts to help you overcome your workplace woes with actionable advice that you can use today. Subscribe to the Career Contessa podcast and make progress in your career every Tuesday. Welcome to RealPod. It's your host, Victoria Garrick, and this is the podcast where we hold nothing back. Oh, so we're getting deep, huh? I really cried for 12 days straight. Why do I want to be perfect? There's nothing in my life that is perfect. Every week, I'll bring you honest, unfiltered, and eye-opening conversations to help uncover the real in all of us. I crave the type of content that you're talking about. I actually felt insecure. Oh my God, am I going to cry? Let me just unload everything. (laughs) (laughs) New episodes every Wednesday. Leave those filters at the door because it's time to get real. Okay, I feel like today's guest and the fact that I got to sit down and have this amazing conversation with Tanya Rad, who's so amazing, is the perfect example of go say hi to that person you want to say hi to. Seriously, you never know what can come from it. 90% of people are nice humans and will be nice if you say hi. But Tanya, and we'll talk about this when the episode starts, I went up to her and I said hi at a party and I was nervous to do it, but I did it. And here we are. So the next time you're in a situation in life where you're like, I want to say hi to this person or tell them something, go do it. You never know what can come from it. Our guest today is, as I said, the incredible Tanya Rad. Tanya is an American radio host known for On Air with Ryan Seacrest. She is an actress and a podcaster, the co-host of Scrubbing In alongside Bachelor alum and real pod guest Becca Tilly, who was on a few weeks ago. She's been nominated for People's Choice Awards, appeared in a number of television shows, interviewed hundreds of A-list celebrities. She's been on Live with Kelly and Ryan, E! Live from the Red Carpet. I mean, Tanya is everywhere in the entertainment industry, and she is a badass journalist. We're going to talk about all the behind the scenes of female entrepreneurship and what her career journey has been like. Before we get started, I want to give two shout outs. I'm actually going to give two shout outs today because I wanted to get to both of these. First off, Mallory, who left a five-star review, said best pod in the game, the only podcast I've ever taken the time to write a review for, top notch every single week, killer insight, content's always new and exciting, love, love, love. 
Mallory, thank you. Literally so hyped that Real Pod motivated you to go type a review. Seriously, thank you, thank you. I had to give you a shout out. Secondly, I wanted to give a shout out to Dasm24. Left a five star review, said love, but relatable question mark. They said, I absolutely love this podcast and how well prepared, researched, insightful it is. So grateful to be a part of every conversation that Vic and Real Pod presents. One small tidbit. And we love some constructive criticism, people, because this is Real Pod. This is say what you're feeling. Dasm24 said, I struggle to relate sometimes to the influencer status, high level Olympians or celebs and famous social figures would appreciate your average gal or pal on the pod sometimes that I could relate to as an average gal like me. Honestly, I love this feedback and I can definitely do that because y'all know I have some really fun people. I mean, the most of my friends are not influencers or anything, so I will hit up some of those gals and pals of mine and keep that in mind for some future episodes. So thank you for leaving me this review. I always love knowing what you guys are thinking, feeling, what you want to hear about on the show. The best place to do that is also on the RealPod Instagram at RealPod. You can leave comments. You can DM us, send guest suggestions. I care about what you want to hear and what you're thinking and feeling. So please, please let me know. And thank you so much, Mallory and Dazm, for these kind and honest reviews. Ratings and reviews really, really help out the show. So super appreciate you both doing that. If you want to be the special shout out on next week's episode, just leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And you can also leave a rating wherever you listen. Ratings really help the show. Without further ado, let's dive into this episode with the amazing Tanya Rad. I'm so excited to have you on the show. I actually don't know if I would have foresaw this happening as quickly as it did. Cause when I met or just like collaborating in some way, like when I went on scrubbing in and then you coming on real pod, cause when I saw you at the rare beauty event, I was like so nervous to come up to you. Why? Cause First of all, you didn't act that way at all. You got to like lead with confidence, but because you're like, <laughs> you're famous. Like, I'm just like an influencer. You are actually like on TV. You work with Ryan Seacrest. You've met every celebrity. Yeah, I was nervous because I don't know. If, do you get people like approaching you a lot? You know, it's funny because I'm I, like, I'm not an influencer, so I don't really go to influencer events. So I was actually kind of like, what am I doing here? Everybody's logging content and I'm just like walking around with like doo-doo-doo. So I was so happy that you came up to talk to me because I like making friends. But in situations like that, it's very weird because everybody's very in their phones. Right. You know, and like with for good reason. That's why you're there, you know. Right. But it was very weird because I was just like kind of fish out of water. It's also the added pressure of working in this type of industry where I want to come up to you because I admire your work, but I also don't want to sound like a total fangirl because I know what it's like if someone's like, they come as a fan. So it's like, I wanted to, I had, I am the fangirl. So like, it's, it takes one to know one. Like you don't ever have to, you know. Right. But I almost feel like if someone knows, don't you think if someone approaches someone as a fan, it already puts them in a category of like, I don't know, you, you approach the conversation differently. Like, I feel like if a big, big, big celebrity met someone who didn't really know who they were, there's like a safety of like, oh, you don't know all these things about me. Whereas if someone's a fan, I don't think you can go from fan to friend. Can you? So it's funny that you say that because 
I almost feel like it's the opposite. When somebody says they're a fan or they li- or they listen to the podcast or they listen to whatever, I have a sense of comfortability with them because I'm like, oh, you know me, you know, like, you know me on a deeper level. So to me, it's more endearing in a way. And I do think that you can go from fan to friend because I've done it with like multiple people. Really? Like, yeah. who are you odds name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think. It's interesting because I wouldn't say like Selena Gomez, I feel like is somebody I was a big fan of hers and she's now a friend of mine. Charlie Puth, I was a big fan of his. Now he's a friend of mine. I think that's pretty much those it. Are, those are some big ones. We can just put a period <laughs> right there. But so the other thing I was going to say too is I didn't want you to think I was just a fan. So I felt like I had to come in with like a mutual friend of like, hey, I also work in the industry. Like I'm, I also have a career. Like you could respect me as a human. Like I'm not just this like creeper. I feel like, is it me that overanalyzes meeting new people in this industry? Or do you feel the same way when you were meeting like a Selena Gomez or a Charlie Puth for the first time? Yes and no. I think, you know, because... You don't want people to feel like you're treating them a certain way because you're a fan. You know what I mean? I think and I but I think it's just if you're your genuine self, I think that cuts through. You know what I mean? So I think if you're genuinely a fan, you're excited to meet somebody. I think that cuts through. And I think people have a good gauge of if it's a, you know, in a weird way, you know, like if it can go weird or if you're kind of I don't want to say normal, but you know what I mean? Like if it's just like a a nice admiration. Definitely. And do you think the fact that you didn't seek out this career, but it sort of organically happened, has given you that edge to be more genuine as opposed to someone who from age 15 was like plotting becoming friends with a Selena Gomez? You know, it's it's so interesting that you say that because I look back at how my career started and it's such like a, it's such a God thing because again, like I didn't seek it out. Like I would driving my car in high school and I would listen to Rick Dees and Ellen Kay and that was my world and I never in a million years said that's what I want to be but I knew I wanted to be in the music industry so it was just kind of like that's how I went about being in the music industry but you're not a singer but I'm not a singer no I wanted to be like more like either work for a label or Rolling Stone or something like something in the music industry I knew that and so the way that I got to the position that I'm in now it it is very weird but it was it was because I was genuinely just like a fan. I was working behind the scenes and I was such a fan of everybody that came in. And like, I, I'm, you know how I am. Like, I can't hide anything on my face. So, oh my gosh, me either. So people would come in and I would just start losing my mind. I would either start crying or I'd be so excited. <laughs> and like, it created a like a homey atmosphere for people. And so it just kind of organically happened that way. And so I don't want to lose sight of how everything started for me because I feel it's important to recognize that that's kind of what led me to where I am now. So I never want to lose that. But I also feel like there was a little bit of greenness to me then that it, it, there isn't anymore. So I don't want to fake it either. You know what I mean? What happened to go from working behind the scenes and like Ryan's on air and all this talent's coming in and then now you're on the show? It was a weird thing because, again, I was working behind the scenes and so happy. Like I was putting in 12 hour days, but loving life because I was just so excited to be there and be a part of it. And then so Ellen Kay, the co-host, got her own morning show. So they were kind of bringing in other girls and it was a wide net. There was just a lot of people. And my name was never brought up. I was just kind of kept doing my same thing and, you know, meeting all the new girls that were coming in. And, you know, Ryan just kind of 
we always had a like a, a nice chemistry, you know, nice banter from day one, even when I was behind the scenes. And so even when he was testing, when these new girls were coming in, he, he and I would just have our banter. And next thing I know, they're saying, you know, we, we've filled the position, but we want to create a new position that's just for you. That's like the third mic on the show, which never existed. And it, that was the craziest moment ever. I was just like, what? I literally thought like somebody was punking me. Like I just didn't really believe it. I didn't feel like I earned it. I didn't feel like I deserved it. And so that's kind of where all my imposter syndrome comes from because I always felt like, why me? You didn't study it in school. Correct. It's ironic because here you're in a situation where people have noticed your drive, your determination, your talented, and they want to like give you an opportunity. And yet you feel like you don't deserve it because you weren't seeking it out. Yeah, it's weird. But I also was faced with a lot of like Ryan. I owe everything to him because he was he's always been my biggest cheerleader. He's always had faith in me. He's always I feel like he's really put his I don't know what the expression is, put his neck out for me. Like, I always feel like he's been that champion for me. And I'm so grateful for him because of that, because there were other people that were high up that did not and made me feel as though my personality was too much and would say, you know, people can only handle me in small doses and I'm a cartoon character and all these things that, you know, you can't help but take them personally because they're about your personality. So on one hand, I'm, I'm getting a lot of recognition, but on the other hand, I'm being told something else. So it's this weird kind of like middle ground of who do I listen to or who do I believe? And so I kind of just had to like stick with my gut and just doing what felt right. How did you navigate the business side of things? Because it is this awesome opportunity. And at first you're grateful to have it, but then you start to think, yeah, I'm contributing. Okay. When is my contract up? Like how much money should I be getting? Who do I ask? And I actually am so interested to hear your thoughts on all this because I like, I feel like genuine recognize genuine. Like I'm, I don't, I feel like people who negotiate huge contracts or who are these insane business people have like an edge and almost like a ferocity and you know, I can't, like you said, hide how I'm feeling. So I can't go into a meeting and like act differently. So how did you, when did your wheels start to turn? It's so funny that you asked that because I'm the opposite of business savvy. Like I, I, again, like I think I'm just always so, you know, grateful to be doing something that I love. And I have moments of guilt where I sit back and I'm just kind of like, I'm a single girl, you know, like, and I, I don't mean single girl, but I am a, a woman that just needs to take care of myself. I don't have a family, you know, I have a dog now, but I have moments of guilt where I'm just like, I get paid to do something that I love. So why am I fighting for more when I don't need that much to live? Do you know what I mean? Totally. Like I get really weird about it. And, and you know what? A guy would never do that. I know. I had a call with my best friend recently who was talking about her salary, something similar. And she was like, yeah, I just feel bad because like, I don't feel like I'm doing that much work and like, they don't need to be paying me this much. And I was like, do you think the other dude at the company is trying to justify why he should be paid less? No, I know. It's, it's, it's so interesting. Cause I don't know what that chip is. I don't know if it's like a gender thing. I don't know. I mean, I do think there is something to it because I feel like my male counterparts don't experience that whatsoever. And but I know a lot of women that don't experience it either. But for some reason, I I feel this extreme guilt for making more than I need when that's so 
backwards, you know? So I think I try to, to give back or I try to do generous things for people. Like I'm the first person to offer if I'm going to get coffee at the studio, I'll offer to buy it for everybody. I know, and you like, just texted me and said, can I bring you coffee? Because so nice. people did that for me. Like Ellen used to do that for me when I was making $8 an hour. We would go to Starbucks and she would always pick up my coffee. And like that meant so much to me then because I was making no money. I was like living at home and those things always meant so much to me when she would do that. And so I want to be that person for other people. So now I'm like, okay, God bless me with this money. I'm going to go out of my way to be generous or kind or just kind of share it in ways that I can. So that's how you've been able to justify the guilt. I mean, at what point did things kind of change and you were like, okay, I'm not going to do this for free. I still have those moments. I still have those moments. I still do stuff for free. So it's like that never changes. I think I got really like confident and comfortable in myself and I started asking for more. I've never asked for some astrological number or something that I don't think is reasonable, even though I could and I should. I'm not that. I'm not that. If I don't get the number that I want, at least somewhere in the middle or at least just like more than where I started, I feel like I accomplished something. So to me now, I just negotiate because I'm like, what's the worst they can say? What's the worst someone can say is no. At least then you know it's no. And so that's kind of what I try and do with every deal. You know, like there are bigger deals, you know, in like business you have, like I work for a large company, but then there's also kind of sub things that I work for. And then I have, you know, my merch stuff. And then I have stuff that comes in through social media. So there's kind of random deals coming in all the time. I always ask for more. And then if they say no, then I usually just say, okay, and I just do it. Or there are things that I'll do for free because I really believe in them, you know? So it's not necessarily always about the money. It's Mm -hmm. about what I believe in. Yeah. And it's important to stay true to yourself and like not become a person who thinks that everything they do should be contracted and paid. And, you know, I once had a phone call with someone in the industry, like just getting advice. And I just would hear some things this person said, like, you know, I always make sure that I have this and this and you can ask for these things, blah, blah. And I, I was like, I get that you're communicating that I can have things that I get, but also that is high maintenance and really feels out of touch with reality. Like I don't need a certain type of water. If I speak somewhere, (laughs) just pour it from the sink. Right. You know, and I I think that I don't want to say it's ego, but I think that other things come into play and I never want I always just want to stay true to myself, you know, like I want to like I've been a guest at live shows where, you know, they're making I'm not getting paid for it, but I believe in their podcast or I believe in them. So I will donate my time and my, you know, resources to be there. They will then compensate and say, you know, we'll get you glam or we'll do this or whatever. And I said, okay, that's perfect. Great. Thank you. I would never go back and say I want glam. I want, you know, a car service. I want this. I want that. I want, you know, all the things. I'm like, I can drive myself to downtown. Yeah. And I can drive myself home. You know, like, yeah. I, I don't know. I think that there is like a, I never want to, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I think for me personally, I just always want to stay true to kind of what matters to me. And that's being there for people, you know, like doing things I believe in. I would never do something for free that I didn't believe in. We all know how important electrolytes are. I feel like my whole life, my mom was always like, you guys know Lainey, the queen. She's like, Vic, electrolytes, you need electrolytes to keep from being sick, to hydrate. We know electrolytes are so important. 
Element is a tasty electrolyte drink mix with everything you need and nothing you don't. Element has a science-backed electrolyte ratio of 100 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, and 60 milligrams of magnesium. There's no sugar, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, no gluten, no fillers, none of the BS, you know? You are just getting those electrolytes. And why are they important? You know, electrolytes facilitate hundreds of functions in the body, including the conduction of nerve impulses, hormonal regulation, need that nutrient absorption, and fluid balance. Element can also help prevent and eliminate headaches, muscle cramps, fatigue, sleepiness, and other common symptoms of electrolyte deficiency. I've been loving Element. I like to have mine in the mornings just before lunch. I'm drinking water all day anyways, so why not add an Element packet to it just to make sure I'm getting those electrolytes? Right now, Element is offering RealPod listeners a free sample pack with any purchase. So that's literally eight single serving packets free with any element order. This is a great way to try all eight flavors or share element with a salty friend. Get yours at drinkelement.com slash real pod. This deal is only available through my link. So go to drinkelement, D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T dot com slash real pod. Try it totally risk-free. And if you don't like it, it's all good. You'll get your money back. No questions asked. So there's nothing to lose. Head to drinkelement.com slash realpod. I cannot believe it is almost August. And you know what that means. School is starting. Whether you're going back to middle school, high school, college, you have kids going off to school. Macy's has the outfits for you from brands like Levi's, Free People, and Mango that are so good. You're going to want to lay them out the night before. I mean, there's so much excitement around what you're going to wear that first day of school. Wearing something that you feel like represents you, makes you feel confident, and you know is going to give you that little boost as you head into a new experience. And of course, you know, no first day at school is complete without a backpack and new shoes. Macy's has the brands you love, like Birkenstocks. Max just got a pair of Birkenstocks from Macy's. So excited about it. He actually got them for our honeymoon. But Birkenstocks at school is a vibe for sure. And they have Nikes. I mean, you can also get dorm essentials like bedding, beauty blenders for the makeup savvy, Fitbits if that's your vibe. Anything you need pretty much heading into your new school year, Macy's has you covered. Head to macy's.com slash back to school. That's macy's.com slash back to school right now to check out all of these amazing offers. You're going to kill it. Your first day back is going to be unreal. You've got this. And don't forget to check out macy's.com slash back to school for that added spice to your first day and first week back. I went to school and studied journalism. And what I aspired to do was pretty much what you do. And I worked an internship at Entertainment Tonight. And I could have named like all of Brangelina's kids when I was 10. Like I was destined for like pop culture journalism. My path took a different course that I love and so excited where I am now. However, I remember it being so competitive. Yeah. Like only one girl can get this role. I mean, just the way you described before, they were bringing in all these girls like, and you know, everyone's probably coming in. They all want the chair. Well, and that's what they, that's what they use to like mess with your head. You could be replaced in five seconds. You think you have something special? There's 50,000 other people that we can put right there. Mm -hmm. So what are you complaining about? Or why do you, you know, what are you pushing for more money? Or what, you know, you're, it's a mind fuck. (laughs) Because of exactly what you're saying. It was like, you're a dime a dozen. And I think what I realized is 
yes, everybody's a dime a dozen. There's like a, how many billions of people in the world? We're just we're all just one person, but there's nobody else out there that's me. So what I have to offer, nobody else can offer what I have to offer. And I think I always have that. Like I have that in me that I know, you know, like, yes, anybody else could do any job that I do, but they're not going to do the job that I do. So I was able to kind of say like, screw that. Right. But you're so right. But it is true that by being yourself, that is what is your power. And I know when people see those quotes, like being who you are is your superpower. It's like cheesy and people roll their eyes. But actually at the end of the day, like when we all try to conform to act, talk, look, be like a certain person, like we're not paying attention to what makes us uniquely individual. And we might not be right for a certain position or that might mean X, Y, Z, but it is going to be the thing that inevitably makes us successful. And like, don't get me wrong. I've had a lot of uh, wonderful experiences in my career, but I've also had some really devastating heartbreaks. And like, let's, you know, take the red carpet this season. I wasn't asked to do any of the shows. And that was really heartbreaking for me. Like I was just, I questioned myself. I was just, in my head so much. I was like, do they not like me anymore? Did I do something wrong? Was I too much? Was I too this? You know, you go, you look at yourself and then I'm like, this has nothing to do with me. This has something to do with something else bigger. And I had to kind of put that aside. And what I realized is award season is like very intense. I put so much work into that because that's just the person that I am. And it takes up a lot of time and energy in the best way. I love it, but it takes up a lot of time and energy. And what I did the last few months, instead of doing award season, I got a puppy and I like start, I had a house train a puppy and that took a lot of time and energy. And so I was like, okay, so I didn't do this award season, but I got to bring in a new member to my family and like experience that, that I've never experienced before. And so next season she'll be house trained and good. And I'm going to be back on that red carpet in one way, shape or form, you know? So I kind of take things that don't happen and that really kind of break my heart. And I try and just spin it in a way where I'm like, okay, that wasn't, this wasn't my time for that. I did something else in this time, but like, it'll come back around. And have you always had that optimism instilled in you and been able to alter your mindset? I wouldn't say always. I've, I've always been a genuinely look at the bright side of things person. And I know there's this whole like toxic positivity movement that's going on now. And well, that's people who are like, everything's fine. Everything's okay. But I think it's all right to see the bright side of things. And I think we have become so obsessed with this toxic positivity and almost started to normalize negativity. I just did an episode on this called The Mental Health Conversation People Don't Want to Have, where we kind of call out the fact that it's cool to have panic attacks, be anxious, talk about how depressed you are. And, oh, and, and complain. Yeah. Like everybody loves to complain right now and be negative. And no one wants to hear someone say, oh, but here's the bright side or here's the silver lining. And it's like, but do we want to constantly be miserable or do we want to give ourselves the opportunity to pursue a different reality for ourselves? You know, it's interesting you say that because I've said, you know, like every morning when I wake up, I choose happy. Like I wake up and I choose to be happy. Yes, I understand that that's not the case for everybody. I know mental illness is a real thing and a lot of people suffer from that. And so it's not a blanket statement. This is just what works for me. And I wake up and I... I look at the day as like a new opportunity. And so, and like I walk into my studio every single morning 
and I say, good morning, everyone. And I like flicker the lights on and off. And it's so annoying, but I don't care. You know what I mean? Like, it's like I find joy and happiness in the mundane and the day to day because that's life. Like life happens all the time. It's not just these events and stuff. And so that's just how I've always been. And yes, I have moments I cry. I'm sad. I'm not, you know, always happy. But for the most part, I try to be optimistic and like look at the bright side. Can I suggest a few words to that statement that actually I think is what the intention is? And it's what I talked about with this psychologist is every day you can wake up and choose to pursue happiness. Yeah. And anyone can do that. Even if you are in your trenches, like you can choose to pursue a different reality, whether that means like seeking help, whether that means taking a shower, brushing your hair that day, like to just enter on the pursuit by even a few steps to then maybe experience that happiness or joy. But I love the fact that you go in and you sing. It reminds me of in the volleyball locker room when I was playing at SC. Like I was the girl who was definitely like the ha ha ha, roll your eyes. Like Vic's always, you know, too excited. And I would, I would always send the same meme into the group chat on game day. Like today is the day. The sun is shining. The yeah. is clean. Like, are, do you watch Grey's Anatomy? I know it, but I don't it's watch like it. It's like Dr. Shepard, every, before every surgery, he was like, it's a beautiful day to save lives or to save yeah. a life. What did he say now? It's one of those things, but uh-huh. it was like kind of that routine. And it's like, it sets the tone for like a hard procedure that he's about to do, you know, but it puts a positive spin on it. And I'm like, there's nothing wrong with that. And it's playful. And I feel like adults don't play. Like yeah. it's not appropriate to walk into a room and flicker the lights and be fun. It's like, it's serious. It's like, at what point in our lives do we stop just finding joy and like being present with people and laughing? And it's sad to think about that. That's why like just the 30 seconds of you doing that probably has other people chuckle and realize, okay, it's not that serious. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm sure it's annoying sometimes, but like, I don't care. Makes me happy. I think it makes them happy too. Now you're someone who's super candid about going to therapy and your mental health. And I love that. First of all, secondly, How have your challenges, whether it be with your mental health, with whether body image, have you ever struggled with body image? Yeah, for sure. I think everybody has. Right. I know nowadays, sadly, that's like everyone, right? Yeah. How have those things kind of set you up to be in the place that you are now? And like, how much work would you say you've had to put into those areas? You know, it's so interesting. So therapy is like fairly new for me. I think I started at the top of the pandemic. Is it really? Yeah. Oh my gosh. You give the vibe of like, in, in the best way. Like that I've been doing it my whole life. Yeah, like there's no stigma with you. So I would think you- Well, would've... I'm also a daughter of a psychiatrist and my sister's a psychologist. So it, there was never, it was there was never like a negative stigma with therapy for me. It was just kind of like a, almost like how, you know, how Harry Styles thought of it. You know, like I don't need it. It's not for me. I can figure it out on my own. Like that's kind of how I, that's how I always thought I was. So I think it was when the pandemic hit because what I realized through therapy- as I, I lived my life on this constant hamster wheel. Like I was just go, 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 go. Like my home was just a closet and a bed and I would sleep and go home, change, go to the next event, sleep, change, go to work, come back, change for the next event. And I lived my life like that for a long time. And then when the pandemic hit and that went away, I was like, oh, I've been doing this to not think about or figure out certain things about myself. So did all of that rise in the early stages of the pandemic? Like, did you start to start freaking out? Like, I don't have distractions. What's yeah, going on? I started getting so dark, like so dark because I, yeah, it wasn't distractions. I couldn't do anything. And my whole life was doing. I was never 
I could never sit. I could never be silent. I could never not be doing something. And so it was like a jarring, I'd say first two months to the point where my podcast listeners were emailing in being like, is Tanya okay? (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, that's how transparent I am. Like I can't fake it. And so that's when I started going to therapy. And the biggest thing that I've learned in therapy, which is it's so simple, but there's no right and wrong in life. And I've always lived my life with that, like in the back of my head, not right and wrong morally, but like, I can't explain it. If you start dating somebody new, you know, I'm not going to sleep with you until three months in. That's the right thing to do. The wrong thing to do would be to sleep with somebody right away or like, you know, things like that. Everything had a right and a wrong, you know, like. It was very black and white. You're very definitive. There's no gray area. It's this or that. Correct. And what I realized is life is all gray area. Like there's no right and wrong. The way I choose to live my life is going to be completely different than the way somebody else chooses to live their life. And so that was very freeing and very liberating for me to like kind of understand because all the issues and stuff that I was dealing with was, you know, I'm not doing it the right way. And I'm not. And I'm like, there is no right way. Who the hell is telling me there's a right and wrong way? Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. Now, honestly, something I was self-conscious about in this episode is how many times I said, well, in therapy or my therapist, but it honestly just goes to show how valuable it is to talk to someone about your struggles and anything that you're going through. Your mental health is the most important thing. So why would you not want to put the time in or invest in making sure everything's good to go by chatting with someone who is a professional and an expert in the mind? Now, look, there can be a lot of things that keep someone from being able to do that, whether it's not being able to afford in-person therapy, not being able to travel to in-person therapy. BetterHelp is online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat-only therapy sessions. So you don't have to travel anywhere. You also don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's also much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. I know one of the most difficult things of wanting to talk to someone is who, how do I find the right person? And the fact that you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours is unreal. Also, RealPod listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash RealPod. That's 10% off your first month by going to betterhelp.com slash RealPod. That's betterhelp.com slash RealPod for 10% off your first month. Now you're a fully functioning businesswoman. You have your own podcast, you have hosting, you have all of these things, you have your own merch, like everything that you do. And then the red carpet goals for next season. How do you figure out for yourself when you can give a break and when you don't have to be starting your next thing? I know you and I both, we attended that event and it was so inspiring. And we heard from this iconic woman in the industry. And I mean, I leave there thinking I want to do all these things. And then I lay in bed that night and do nothing because it's like, I am overwhelmed with the Uh, thought of, what to do next. And then I'm realizing I'm not even like watering the plants that I've already planted. I know it can be overwhelming because I have, I have a lot of dreams and a lot of goals, and a lot of aspirations. So when you like look at the big picture, it can be really overwhelming. And I think also debilitating in a way, because when you look at a to-do list and there's a hundred things on there, you're not going to do any of them because I, when I get overwhelmed, I just sit on Instagram or whatever and just watch videos. Like I don't get anything done. So what I try to do is I try to prioritize, you know, like there's things in my life that are 
consistent and constant. And those are just, they have to be a part of my schedule. So like, that's kind of like my foundation. And then I take that and then I plot in certain days when I can work on like other projects and focus on things. And I take like a day to do this project, a day to make all my phone calls with my agents and lawyer and da da da. And then I take a day to work on the merch. And then I take a day to work on my book. And then I take a day to for myself, kind of compartmentalizing has really helped me in a way because I can focus on one thing at a time instead of just like that laundry list of things. But the sad thing is, I think a lot of my personal life or like my personal things kind of get pushed to the side. Like I've been wanting to organize my place and get rid of stuff for the past like year. And that always kind of gets pushed out because I'm tired and I don't really factor in like rest. Right. But you know, environment matters so much. What would you say are the staples to the way that you communicate or like run your business? You mentioned you have agents. I'm sure you have people who just help you. You are working alongside your best friend. What have been the things that have allowed all of that to flourish? So for the first like five years of my career, it was literally just me. And because I respond to people. I want to be positive. I want to be happy. I want to be bright. But I know in business, you can't always be that way. And so I didn't bring anybody on board for a really long time. I did it all myself because I I didn't trust anybody to handle it the way that I would want to handle it. And that didn't get me very far because there's only so much I can do on my own, you know? And so it, the the process of finding agents and finding an attorney and finding people like that, that were going to represent me, I took very seriously. And it took me maybe like a year to a year and a half to really find the right fit because I wanted people that represented me to respond and be genuine and kind like I am. Right. Not just like turn you out like a cash cow. Correct. Which is 98% of them. Correct. And so I was very, very deliberate about that. And so I think my biggest advice to people is be patient. You know, patience is a virtue. And I think don't just rush things because you think you need to hire all these people and do all this stuff. Like, I'm really happy that I took the time because I feel like the people that are in my corner are genuine and in my corner and smart. And my entire team is women. And I love that. Well, I have one guy, but he's not really like he's, you know. And this is your personal Tanya team. This is my personal Tanya team. Yeah. With team Tanya, how do you specifically like communicate to them? And like how how did you find the people that you trust? And do you like check in with them? I'm just so fascinated because. Do you have a team? I have three people who work part time for me. But there are they more like assistants and things like that? Correct. I did have I did have an employee, but now I've switched the model because I feel like this for where I'm at works better. It's like I have these specific people who know their role and they really execute in that way. I'm still like the main point of contact for the three of them, which it would be nice to put someone next to me who would then talk to those people. But, you know, it's growing pains. But that's why I'm so curious. And I ask when you kind of break down what I have to do on a regular basis, it's pretty gnarly because it's like I work for the Kiss FM morning show, right? The On Air with Ryan Seacrest. So I have that role, which is my on-air role, but there's also blogs and social media and all the stuff that I have to do for them, right? Then I have my podcast, which is twice a week. So I have to do all the prep and on-air stuff for that, but also there's socials and endorsements and things that come through that. Then I have my weekend show, which is the vibe and that I have to deal with the on-air stuff and do interviews for and all the on-air stuff. But then there's also socials and blogs and everything that comes with that. That's just on like one side of it. You know what I mean? And then I have, so I I basically had to divide and conquer. And I was like, what I had to offload things that didn't, that I, I just had to like 
unclench a little bit and hire people to help me in those <laughs> areas because I was just like, I can't do it all on my own, you know? So now I'd rather pay somebody that I trust to do certain things in those specific areas. And then actually what's funny enough, my agents that I ended up hiring, two of them were scrubbing in listeners. They knew my heart. They knew my story. They knew where my, my purpose, they knew where I wanted to go genuinely. And I was like, that's it. Okay. Yeah. That makes total sense. And that would be clutch because then you found someone who's like really expert in the business and also appreciates your work and knows what I am about. about. So it's interesting. And that's why like, I always love asking these questions to other entrepreneurs, especially women, because I think we have that added emotional pressure to be a certain way and to be polite and to be bubbly. When I talk to my fiance in the corporate world who, I mean, they have maximum two sentences in an email. And I've really been trying to adopt that into the way that I work as well. Like I I literally texted my managers like, hey, if my emails are short, it's just because I'm trying to work on brevity and being more concise. It's not passive. Don't read into it. Yeah. Because I'm going to start emailing like, hi, deliverables in. Let me know edits. Yeah, yeah. Instead of like, how was your weekend? Yeah. Hope the the wedding looked great. Oh my gosh, it's beautiful. Thanks so much for sending this over. I just submitted it. Looking really forward to what the brand has to say. No, I don't have time. Hi, it's in. Let me know what the edits are. Thanks. Yeah. Vic. I'm the opposite. I'm like, <laughs> my emails could not be longer. And like, so but just... then you spend like 15 minutes on an email. I know the efficiency thing I have not mastered yet. Yeah. Yeah. And it's part of and I bet a version of me even two years ago wouldn't have been able to do this and wouldn't have been able to receive that style of communication either. But it's been so freeing. Yeah. I feel like I'm portraying myself as like I'm really cold to work with, but I'm not. I'm just not as like I'm not what you see on Instagram because that's different. Like No, but I'm telling you, this is something I, I want to work on and yeah. be better at because I'm not, I'm not. Right. And I want to be better at it. Right. I don't think it means you're cold. I just think like you have to just get things done. I'm just not efficient. And speaking of you from the beginning saying you have all this guilt surrounding like, you know, asking for higher pay. I think my thing that stumps me is if I'm not always overly communicative and kind and all these things that I feel like I'm cold like I'm and I'm a bit and like I'm even self-conscious right now like should I even put this out because well and it's like Victoria like you're just saying that you're not like you're gonna be normal I'm still a kind person yeah I treat people with respect but I feel like if it's not doused Do you- in sugar with cherries it's not it's not friendly also, if you're doused in like people tell me all the time that I'm annoying and like right. that it's too much. And I'm like, but this is me. So like whatever. If it's annoying, then turn it off. I don't care. But right. it's funny. Are, do you overthink things? Like when you do your podcast, do you think, oh, maybe I don't want to put that in or I do want to put that in or like for the most part, I air everything. If someone else, like if my lovely producer Christiana ever says like double check this, then it really sticks with me. But for the most part, I kind of say YOLO. I feel like people that listen to my podcast like really are my homies. But people who come to the pod for like 45 minutes a week, I feel like I can be myself with them. Yeah. And I think that's a thing too. Becca's the same way. Sometimes she's like overthinks things a lot. Yeah. And it's so funny. I don't have that chip. Like I'm just like verbal diarrhea all the time. And then I don't think about it twice. It's because we have so many people judging us. Like literally the other day I posted about how excited I was that my wedding hair trial went great. And someone messages me, you care way too much about this. And I'm like, oh my God, I was just excited. Did it make you sad? I was able to like move past it pretty quick, but like here I am talking about it 48 hours later. So maybe I'm lying to myself. (laughs) It's so, so it's, it's interesting because I normally comments like that do not affect me at all. Like, cause I get it a lot. I get a lot of really nice and beautiful comments. Don't get me wrong. It's 
I'm inundated with those. But there's always that there's always that handful of just like total crap. And I can just like it does not bother me at all. But the other day I went in and I read some of our podcast reviews and I went so dark from them. <gasps> that's always that's always bad. So dark for like two hours. I was just deep, like reading and crying and questioning my <gasps> existence. And I was able to like Tanya myself out of it. Like I pulled myself out of it very quickly because what I realized, I went straight to like our Facebook group and asked them a bunch of questions and went on the live. And what I realized is we're so quick to leave reviews when we're pissed or upset about something, but we never leave reviews if we're happy with something or it's something brings us joy. And I was like, that's so backwards. It's such a good screwed up mentality that like if somebody messes up our order at the restaurant, we're going to leave them a shitty review, but we're not leaving the review for the a wonderful, you know, woman at FedEx that helped me send my thing last week. Like right. She was so wonderful. And I don't write a review about her. She was the greatest thing that happened to my Friday. Mm -hmm. And yet I'm writing reviews about like the asshole that like, right, whatever. Because negativity stands out. And actually, I think it was and Dr. Andrew Huberman recently, I heard him on a podcast saying that something about our brain with negativity, like anyone listening to this relating, it's not your personal flaw that you care more about the negativity than the positivity. Like that's some wiring in our brain. Do it. Right, right. So, you know, I think actually it's a really good, my therapist would call this exposure. Like that's something I'm working on right now is me too. more exposure in just embracing like how I really feel and not feeling like it always has to be like everything is great. And so I would consider me posting this episode in exposure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I like I, I when I realized that I was like, these are three or four people that don't like my podcast or think I'm annoying. And there's however many listeners we have that love it and come back every single week. And I was just like, that totally made me rewire. And I was like, I want to start leaving positive reviews yeah. on things and happy comments on things instead of just always the negative ones. Right. That's true. I think that's good for all of us to remember that like those words of affirmation can really help people. Max's love language, my fiance is words of affirmation. And I, I always forget it. It's like, I feel like the worst partner I should remember. So I literally the other day said something to him and he literally goes, I said like this random thing to him. He goes, thanks. That means a lot. And I'm like, oh, shit, I forgot your love language is words of affirmation. <laughs> I need to have my boyfriend retake the love language test because I kind of forget what his are. Right. But I give him all five because. Right. I do, too. But I could be giving Max more words of affirmation. I'm like more of a physical touch, like quality time. So I forget that he needs to hear things. But just in line with your thought of like leaving positive comments, like you never know how that can turn someone's day around. Yeah. And we're so <sighs> we just don't give it. We yeah. don't give compliments like for yeah. I don't know why a lot of people that followed me initially, you know, were in in my romance journey. I was single and I was dating for years and years and years. And my stories were hilarious, but like sad at the same time because they were like actually happening to me. And then I got into this beautiful relationship. And it's so funny, I 99.9 percent .9 of people are happy and they send me lovely messages like but, me. Literally so happy. For you. <laughs> thank you. But this one I'll never forget this one message from this girl that was just like, stop posting so much about your boyfriend. Like, do you forget about your single followers that have been following you and you were single? Like, this is like shoving it in our faces that we're not in a relationship. And I was just like, can you be happy for just, her? But also just like, D -d don't follow me. Like, I'm right. going to post the shit out of my boyfriend. Right. Because I waited a really long time for this love and I'm so in love and I'm so happy and he is like my other half. So yeah, he's going to be on my page a lot. You don't like it? 
unfollow. I don't care. <laughs> like, I was just like, what? right? At different seasons. And like anyone who can't be happy for someone else's happiness, I mean, that's their own insecurity or projecting, right? But Tanya, you're the best. And thanks for coming on the show. And you're so nice and friendly. And <laughs> for coming on my podcast and coming here. I mean, I was like, for, for literally, I almost didn't say hi to you because I was so nervous. I'm so glad that you did. I know. I'm so, so glad that I you know. did. Because I, I love following you oh, and thanks. I find you to be an inspiration. And so I'm really glad you said hi because because now we have this. Say hi to people. Leave positive comments. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of RealPod. If this hit home or helped you in some way, send it to a friend, a teammate, roomie. Share the love. Share the realness. New episodes of RealPod come out every single Wednesday. So make sure you are subscribed to this podcast so you never miss an episode. To leave a rating or review of the show, head to iTunes and let me know what you think. I love hearing from you. Not to mention, you can stay connected with RealPod throughout the week, seeing behind-the-scenes info and sneak previews of upcoming guests by following the at RealPod account on Instagram. All information about today's show and guests will be linked in the description of this episode. Thanks again for listening. I love you guys so, so much. Let's go dominate the day. And as always, keep it real.